welcome to this edition of On Politics. I'm Dr. Eric Morrow at Tarleton State University, and we thank you for joining us this week. We are also available online at tarletonradio.com at the same time, whether you listen on the radio or online, and after the show on SoundCloud or where you download your podcast. I also post related articles to the things that we're discussing on Facebook, and that's On Politics with Eric Morrow. So this is a busy time in preparations for a general election, and one of the things that we wanted to do on the show is to really get down into the elections process and and really how that happens, and and really the place for that to happen uh, is on the local level, uh, the city or really the county level, because as, as we know, as we look across the country, it is up to the states uh, to facilitate the elections. And they do that through through the counties and through this established offices at the county level and the oversight of the elections process. And so we're going to get into that today. I am very pleased to have with us joining us today, Gwenda Jones, who is the Erath County Clerk. Uh, She has lived in Erath County for all of her life and has been working in the clerk's office since 1991, was appointed to fill the position of county clerk after the retirement uh, of the the person who was in the office in 98, and she ran for the office and was elected in 1999, so over 20 years of service uh, in a very critical position when it comes to elections. So, Gwenda, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Well, it's, it's really a, a, a treat for us to have someone with your experience uh, on the show because there are a lot of questions that are happening, uh, being asked around the country about elections and the, the validity of elections, the outcomes of elections. Uh, just and, and I think a lot of that comes out of people just not being familiar with the process and really all the work that goes into uh, making sure that the that that an election is held in the way it should be that that uh, it's account there's accountability but there's also accuracy knowing how critical that is to have that that kind of trust in the process uh, and, and so I wanted to start really with with the interview today discussing about uh, your work and and what you're focused on at this point I mean we've already had several elections this year when we look at the primaries and we look at uh, local elections that are happening. So I'm sure this has been a busy year for you uh, re- regarding elections. But but what what is your focus at this point now that we're uh, what less than 60 days before the general election, or almost 60 days before the general election? Well, Monday, we got a declaration for a special election. And so we kind of got that thrown in the middle. And so we're doing things with both hands. But right now is the time for the November general election. We are touching bases with our election judges and clerks to make sure who can work and who is not going to be available. Getting the the names and preparing the ballot and making sure that everything is set up correctly. So this is the time that we are in the preparation mode. I think some people don't don't realize how... Uh, intensive that can be because that varies from county to county, correct? I mean, there there are different people running for office. Uh, there's different positions. This is not a, a statewide election in terms of like governor and so on. That'll be in a, in a couple of years, but but we do have uh, local positions that are on the ballot. Uh, so that means that it's a very unique work county by county. Is that correct? Yes. And this one's going to be extra busy or a large ballot because the May city and school elections got canceled because of COVID. And so they have bumped those elections to November. And so all of that is going to be added. Oh, wow. That, that'll make for a, a, a long ballot in a year that we don't always expect it, I guess. Yeah. Um, usually those are I, in the, yes, go ahead. Uh, it's going to make a long ballot. And so I'm encouraging people to check our website or come by the office and get a sample so that they're aware of what they're going to be voting on. I think it'll be a very high turnout. And, you know, if, if you know what you're doing and what to expect, it'll it'll make the lines go faster. Very good. Well, we'll be sure to put that uh, link to the website on our Facebook page for our listeners as well. Uh, you talk about turnout. You talk about the uh, the number of things that will be on the ballot. One, I think one of the concerns given the impact of COVID has been 
the availability of election workers. What kind of impact are you seeing? We're knowing that many of those people, as we've all seen when we go and, and vote, is uh, there, there are many senior citizens, people who have been doing this for years. I know it may vary here from maybe large metropolitan areas, but are we seeing some impact here in, in Erath County? Yes, we've had several of our regular workers that help out don't feel comfortable right now being with a lot of people. And so they have chose not to work the November election. But we've had a lot of other people that are available now. I don't know if it's because maybe they don't have a, a job presently or they just know that we're in a pinch and so they've offered to help or do more. So everything has balanced out and has worked really well that we've been able to fill all the gaps and the times that we need time slots for people that we need to work. Well, that's great to hear because I've been advocating for that all summer on this show of letting people know that, look, we need to make sure that we have the people necessary to help people to vote, to facilitate that. And so I did by example, I, I signed up and volunteered to go through the training and, and to help as well uh, so that I could encourage other people to do the same because uh, this is critical and, and it, it's a, elections are always are, but the challenge of of ensuring with people that this is being handled and managed and organized and facilitated in the, the best possible way and in a way that can maintain that level of trust with people as, as well as it's accessible. You know, the, I think the concerns in some places are the, the lines or the weights or those kinds of things. I, I know in a rural area like this, we, we don't always experience those things, but uh, the right to vote and the access to vote uh, is something that is, is, is very, uh, important no matter where you are or where you live. So it's good to hear that that, that there are people that are uh, coming forward. Uh, as we look to the election, what options do people have? I know we, we heard that, that Governor Abbott uh, extended early voting. Uh, what are the different options in addition to showing up in person uh, that people have uh, to be able to vote? If you're over 65, handicapped, or going to be out of town during early voting or election day, you can request a ballot by mail. There's an extra week of early voting, and so you'll have three weeks of early voting. We will have two days of extended hours voting up at the courthouse and at Dublin that will be 7 to 7, and then on October 13th and October 14th. And then on Saturday, the 24th, we will vote at the Graham Street Church of Christ from nine to four. Very good. And, and those are all on your website, those options to be able to vote early yes. or in different locations. Okay. Yes. Very good. Very good. Well, that will help to, to facilitate that. I know the early voting is, is a concern that can address both the challenges of the pandemic and the uh, those that might be concerned about the waiting or, or lines or crowds on, on election day. Uh, on, the, on the absentee ballot side of it. You know, Texas has had some of the highest uh, requirements for voting. We have the 30-day, you have to be registered 30 days in advance. Uh, and, and there are some, and, I, and I've had several on the show, and we talked to uh, uh, the, the state chair of the Democratic Party early in the summer uh, in their efforts to try to get more options for voting by mail. Uh, this, this absentee process is, is a little bit different than that, from what I understand. I mean, in that there are certain restrictions on that. And, and can you talk about those just a little bit so that people are clear that you know, t this is a certain way that Texas does it. We, we don't really have voting by mail in the way that I think a lot of people are referring to it in that just you get a ballot, it shows up in your mailbox and you fill it out and, and sign it and send it back in. What, what are those requirements? Uh, I know you said age and so forth, but what, can you walk, walk us through that absentee process? If you're qualified, which is over 65, handicapped, or going to be out of the county, then you can send us either on a written piece of paper or request a formal application for a ballot. So you have to ask me to send you a ballot. You have to be a registered voter. You have to tell me where you live and the reason why you're voting by requesting a ballot by mail. Then when we get that, we verify that you're who you are, that you're registered and your address and everything. And then once the ballot is ready, we can mail it out. Then we will mail it to the address where the voter asked for the ballot to be mailed. The application is signed. When we send them the ballot and they return it, there's a place for the voter to sign on the ballot that comes, the ballot envelope, and so the ballot board on election day will compare both of those signatures to make sure that 
the voter and the requester are the same person. Very good. And, and do those usually, uh, I know in, I've heard different things and I know, I guess it relates to the, the turnout and, and of course, everybody's about results on election day, which doesn't always happen that way. And this might be an election that that's the case, but are, are those counted on the day of or after, or how, how does that work in trying to facilitate the election at the same time? Generally, we count those on election day. They cannot be counted prior to the close of early voting. But because of the number that I'm expecting, we will probably count for two days on the Monday and the Tuesday. Okay. So once early voting has closed, you can start counting those ballots. Yes. Okay. You can start counting them as long as you have a device that will not show totals. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? Because okay. we yes. don't want to know anything. It's just going to store them in the machine, but we won't know how anything goes until election night when you hit the report button. Okay. Okay. Yes. I understand that. So it, it just adds them into the total voting on election day, and then you get the, the total once the polls are closed. So, you, so right. it, it seems like in an area like ours, you would be able to have an accurate count of, of votes uh, by the close of election day. Um, and, and again, this is different. I mean, I know in metropolitan areas and, and some of the challenges that they might, they might be facing, I guess, depending on the volume, uh, but uh, it's good to hear that in terms of your, your planning, and, and I'm sure this comes from the, the experience that you've had with, with elections, although, you know, this one is a different one with the, with the pandemic in the mix and some of the adjustments, but, it, but I, I think the thing to convey here is, to, is affirming to people that the planning has gone into place and the process is there to be able to make sure that all of this is handled uh, properly and, and the outcome is what the outcome is based on the voting. Yes. And for this election, the governor made an, another exception. Normally, the voter can bring in the ballot, their paper ballot, on election day to the county clerk if they choose. But for the presidential election, he has determined that the voter may return their ballot at any point after they have received it. And I think that's just to allow people that are nervous that their ballot might get lost in the mail, they can bring it to the county clerk's office and know that my ballot was delivered. Good. They can only deliver their own and they have okay. to provide ID so that I know that you are who I mailed that ballot to. Very, very good. So that is, that is I, I think, you know, those adjustments as well as the early voting period, uh, at least we could say in our area, it, it really seems to give people enough options uh, to be yeah. able to, to vote. It overcomes a lot of the challenges or excuses people may have to say, okay, here's different ways that you can actually do this. Yes. And starting September, we're going to kind of start a, a push of information telling people how the early voting by mail works and encourage those that are qualified to do that. Very good. So one other question that I have is you mentioned the, uh, the move of the local election that was scheduled for May. You've We've talked about the extended early voting period and some of the other changes in terms of the operations of, of the county clerk's office and in relation to elections. Have there been other other challenges that, that you've had to address due to uh, the COVID-19 crisis? Yes. With a large election, we, we have to use a lot of machines. And so normally we would just pack the foyer here at the courthouse because the courthouse is one of the most popular places to come vote. I don't know if people just like to come to the courthouse or they just know you can vote at the courthouse. Um, but because of COVID, we're having to have the machines six feet apart and uh, space, and we just don't have space here at the courthouse or at the Dublin Annex where they vote in Dublin. And so we have had to think, what can we do different? So uh, we have searched our community, and Graham Street Church of Christ has allowed us to use their family center, and we're going to have all the voting that we would normally have here at the courthouse at the Graham Street Church of Christ Family Center. And in Dublin, the Patrick Street Church of Christ is going to allow us to use their building. So that allow us to have more machines and have them spaced out. The, we normally use the United Co-op, but they are not having their facility open during this time. So we reached out and Cornerstone Assembly of God is going to allow us to use their building. And so we're still going to have all 10 polling locations. They're just going to be in different spots. Very good. Well, that, that sounds like a, a, that you were planning well ahead to be able to accommodate for 
some of the safety concerns as well. Is that is that information going to be at least not just the locations, but the 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 emphasis on safety uh, so that people know, hey, you can come and vote, and we've got social distancing and all that. Is that going to be part of your information uh, campaign? Yes. yes. And also through the CARES Act, the federal government, the state has sent us money to use for each place will have extra workers that will be there just to wipe down the machines and just keep everything clean. And so they've helped us out there a, a great deal. Very good. Very good. Well, one one final question, uh, and, and I think one of the, as I said at the beginning, the focus on this has been about how we can show through the work and effort that you've done and through your office and the, and the county has done as, as uh, an extension of the state and carrying out this election, but what, and, and all of this to be supportive of, of, of not just the election itself, but affirming that people can go with confidence, uh, without, with uh, concern for safety and so on, and be able to uh, exercise their right to vote. Uh, but what other ways would you uh, tell our listeners uh, uh, or, or other things about affirming the integrity of, of this process and, and, and showing and, and helping them to show support that we're, we're being able to handle this and do this in a proper way that's, that's going to ensure the, that the outcome is what the outcome is. Uh, I'll just say as a little bit of background, one of our, uh, my concerns as a political scientist and someone who, who follows this is that we have seen the transitions in power. We have seen outcomes of elections for well over you know, 225 uh, years where we have had a level of trust in this process. And, and I think that's critical for our society. It's critical for the way we govern ourselves, uh, that people know that it is a valid process and that the outcomes are the outcomes and that we accept them and then work through that process going forward if we don't like the outcomes to then have a different outcome the next time. But uh, I say all that just as, as background to, to, to really affirm how important the right to vote and the voting process is. And I, I just am asking if you have any final words of just uh, encouraging our listeners and, and, and those in our community about uh, the work that you're doing and how important this is to you as well. Well, we just went through a security assessment and an outside company that the state provided came and did a security assessment and went through different areas of vulnerability that we could possibly have and showed us some things that we could do differently. And so we're doing that. Anything that we do, there's persons from both parties present. And so it's they're working together as a team. Anything that we do, we're tested we're retesting. There are multiple people and eyes that are on everything. As a, a rule of our office, we, um, we're ethical. And if anybody has questions about how things are done, you're always welcome to come by and ask questions. We want to be an open book and be transparent so that when people do ask questions, I want them to see that this is how it works so that they're comfortable. Very good. Well, uh, Gwenda, I want to thank you for joining us today and for giving us this insight into all the work that you're doing. And I want to thank you for that as well on your part and, and your staff and the county in terms of what efforts are going into this election. Is it your the, the county clerk's uh, website that we should direct people to for uh, more information about the election? Or do you have a specific uh, web address uh, that I can... Uh, share either here on the station or we'll also put it on Facebook. Yes, they can go to the county clerk of the ERAF County website and there's a link for elections and I can provide that for you. Okay, great. I'll be sure to get that on, on Facebook as well and uh, that way people can connect directly uh, to all this information that you provided with us today. I did think of one other thing. Yes. We also have curbside voting. If there's a voter that is unable to get out of their car, they can come to the curb and we will bring the ballot out to the car so that they don't have to stand in line or whatever. So that is also available. Right. Very good. And that's on the website as well, that information? Yes. Very good. Well, Gwenda, thank you again for joining us and, and for all of the helpful information. And we'll do our part uh, to help share that to our listeners and uh, through uh, social media. 
and uh, we uh, wish wish you well and in, in the work that you're doing. And uh, I will uh, continue to encourage people uh, to not only you know vote for sure, but also to uh, be aware. We 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 teach a lot of this in our classes and in, in college students and trying to help them understand all the work that goes into uh, the the voting process and, and facilitating voting. I'm looking forward to my experience and in, in helping and, and hopefully will be someone that can I can help do that for years to come as well as uh, encourage others to do so. I, I think it's that important. So thank you for joining us today. Thank you and thank you for your help. We will take a short break and we'll be right back for more on politics. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes, and you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to, are you? Kids, work, listening to the radio, you're busy, which is great because busy people can't get prediabetes. Oh my, I read that wrong. <laughs> they can. Should have worn my glasses. So visit doihaveprediabetes.org and take a short test because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Hello, I'm Janice Horrock, and my radio home is KTRL 90.5 FM for news. From Feature Story News in London, I'm Ollie Barrett. Sports. Touchdown, Talton, Texans. Jazz and classical music. Welcome back to On Politics. I'm Dr. Eric Morrow at Tarleton State University, and we want to thank Wenda Jones again, the Erath County Clerk for joining us in the first half of the show and providing us with all of that detailed information on the upcoming election and voting in Erath County. I think there are some critical things that she pointed out in this process and in the options available to you. And there's a couple of those that I want to go into more detail uh, in this segment of the show. But I do want to direct you, and we'll do this on Facebook uh, for uh, those of you that may go to On Politics with Eric Morrow and want more information, or of course you can go online and search Erath County Elections, uh, but it is co.erath.texas.us184elections. Uh, so a little bit, uh, not a direct uh, typing in of something other than I would say Erath County Elections. And you can go to the elections website, which is very comprehensive in terms of the options you have, especially to register to vote, uh, which you still have time to do this uh, through uh, the uh, end of September, uh, early October. It's 30 days in advance of the election, and we'll keep reminding you of that deadline, but also uh, to exercise other options. And so that's what I want to turn to now and focus for just a moment or two on, on three different areas, voting by mail, limited ballot voting, and provisional ballot voting. So several of these came up in our conversations with Gwenda. And I think we need to go into more detail on this because I think the more information you have, just as we discussed with the Erath County Clerk and the focus on how the county is preparing to have a well-administered election and to emphasize the integrity of the election and the significance of, of, of every vote and every person having that, that right uh, every person that does have that right to vote, uh, being able to to uh, fulfill that responsibility and participate. And so I think there's there's several aspects of this that we want to look at in more detail to have that knowledge and to be able to know what options and, and how voting is made available to you. So she did talk about voting by mail in Texas, uh, which has been a point of focus especially in this time of the coronavirus and of, of this pandemic, that there have been calls, not just in Texas, but across the nation for people to have more options for voting in order to protect them uh, from the virus. And so the calls, many of these calls have been because of uh, uh, voting lines, because of closed environments, uh, because of uh, pre-existing health conditions that people may have that might make them susceptible uh, to, to getting uh, the coronavirus, there has been this push to make voting more accessible. Uh, and, and really in, in Texas, that focus has been on 
uh, how do we work within the guidelines that are already there? And so, of course, mail-in mail balloting is one. And while some have said that the conditions for this need to be extended uh, to those who may be susceptible of coronavirus, uh, those attempts through the courts and other actions have not been successful to this point. Uh, so what we see going into this is the options remain of who is eligible and, and who can vote uh, by mail. And so one of the things to, to focus on is that, and then this is what was brought up by Gwenda, is that you have to apply to do that. You have to uh, submit an application in order to get a, a ballot. Uh, the deadline for applying is October 23rd. And so those applications can be dropped off in person before the start of early voting, but you have until the 23rd uh, to request one uh, to receive it by mail. Looking at the way that this is set up, those that do qualify, uh, the election code def defines this in terms of having uh, one having a disability. You have to have something uh, that that prevents you from being able to go and vote in person. So for some that might be, oh, you're just going to be out of the county on election day and you need a uh, absentee ballot. You're going to be absent from the place where you would vote. Uh, so that is one option. But when we connect with the coronavirus and some of the, the, the focal points for those who have tried to extend voting by mail, uh, the law itself defines a disability as a sickness or physical condition that prevents a voter from appearing in person without personal assistance or the likelihood of injuring the voter's health. And so some have taken this to say, well, we need to, to push this in that a lack of immunity to the coronavirus does put someone in a condition or position that has a likelihood of injuring uh, their health. That has not stood up to this point. Uh, and, and getting this close to the election, I doubt that it will, uh, in that, as we heard with uh, from the county clerk, is that a number of other precautions are being put in place, including social distancing between voting machines, getting larger facilities to be able to spread people out, uh, the extension of early voting. So there's, there's more time in advance of the election uh, to vote early and the like, less likelihood that there will be uh, lines or be crowds uh, to do that. And so this is the way that this has been addressed uh, to this point. Uh, so our focus here is on options for voting and, and voting by mail for those, again, who will be absent. Of course, we're talking also about our military, those who are overseas, uh, those who are deployed or, or that are uh, uh, working on uh, military installations in, uh, in other places. Uh, those who will not be here in the county, but also those who want to vote but are not physically able to do so uh, without assistance or without the likelihood of injuring themselves to, to get out. Now, she also mentioned there will be drive-through voting. Uh, so that means that the technology has to be in place for people to verify that you're a registered voter uh, and then to facilitate that, the actual voting or the selecting on the ballot. Uh, in order to complete that process. Uh, so, so that is one option. And I don't know that we'll see much change on that between now and the election. We're just running out of time here. We're running out of the time to be able to set up the mechanisms that will be able to ensure the integrity of that and to get things in place. You think about already the demand that is on election boards and election administrators especially with the canceling of local elections, as uh, Ms. Jones pointed out, that, that those will be on top of uh, the regular election, a general election. So we are looking at school boards. We're looking at, in some places, it may be mayor, city council, uh, it may be uh, some county elections too, even though uh, uh, most of the county offices often follow with the a gubernatorial election in Texas, which will be in another two years. So it's all of this that's happening at this time in the midst of the pandemic when they're having to make other adjustments. And so there's a couple of other aspects of voting in Texas that I wanted to point out and, and maybe go into a little more detail. And that was the mention of a limited ballot. And a limited ballot, as it was mentioned by County Clerk Gwenda Jones, was in reference to college students, uh, which here is an option for them, who people who are living 
out of their district or have moved out of their county, but still have a permanent residence there, but who want to vote? And so limited ballot is one that gives you access to voting in the uh, either statewide elections, so someone's on the ballot running statewide, or in federal elections. And so the stipulation here, and we're looking at the Texas Secretary of State website that gives us more details about limited ballot voters, but a registered voter who has moved from the county in which he or she is registered to a new county of residence in Texas, and who will not be registered to vote in the new county on or before November 8th, may be eligible to vote a limited ballot. Okay, November 8th is referring to the 2016. I'm reading from the, the administrative letter and how this was directed to uh, uh, counties and to election officials. So if they're, they're living in a new county, not registered in that county before the general election, uh, they are able to uh, vote under the following conditions. The person seeking to vote a limited ballot would be eligible to vote in the former county of residence on election day if still residing there. So they're able to go back. Uh, so in college students, we, we know here their permanent residence may be somewhere, somewhere else, so they can go back and vote. But anyone who's moved to another county and has, has not moved their voter registration, but they are registered in that other county, you can go back to that county and vote. Second, the person seeking to vote a limited ballot is registered to vote in the former county of residence at the time the person offers to vote in the new county of residence or applies for registration in the new county. Uh, and then third, the person's voter registration is not effective in the new county of residence on or before election day. So limited voting uh, is available and it's available only during the early voting period. So there's another, uh, another condition here in that if you're going to vote limited ballot, you have to do it during the early voting period. You can't, can't wait till election day uh, in order to do that. Uh, partly here because there is a process of confirming voter registration. Uh, that's that you have to go back, election officials and are required to say, is this person a registered voter uh, in another county? A person entitled to vote a limited ballot may vote on all statewide races and any district offices that are in common between the former and new counties of residence. Okay, so if you've moved the next county over, there may be some district positions, a district judge, something like that that's in common and that you're able to vote. Otherwise, it's statewide. And of course, we would look at the federal or we're talking here uh, because we have a presidential election. Uh, so there is a mail procedure uh, for this as well. Uh, and there is a process here by which the county uh, elections board has is required to review all of this in order to make sure that it's legitimate and that the person who is voting a limited ballot uh, is actually a registered voter. So that's another focus and another option. Uh, and we, this is an option here that uh, it's important for us to stress for college students in encouraging them to vote because they are absent. Of course, they can do the absentee process, uh, but they may not have the time, either the time to do that uh, or uh, they may be more concerned about the federal elections, not so much about local elections or district related elections back in their uh, per county of their permanent residence. So the last one that I wanted to get to is provisional ballots. And of course, this will lead us to the next segment of the show. I want to get to the comments made by President Trump this week uh, regarding, uh, as some have, I think have taken a little far out of context. Uh, I, I think there is room to defend the president here and what the intent was, not necessarily how it came out and what, what the implications or challenges may be. So we want to clarify that. Uh, but it's closely related to what we would say in Texas would be a provisional ballot. Uh, and so we'll get to President Trump here in just a moment. Uh, uh, but before we do that, I wanted to talk about what a provisional ballot is in Texas. And in Texas, you do have the right to request a provisional uh, ballot if you face challenges at the poll. So a provisional ballot uh, can be cast by a voter if your eligibility cannot be proven uh, in that your name is not on the list of registered voters 
or if you do not possess one of the acceptable forms of voter ID. Uh, now, there is another type of voting called reasonable impediment document or reasonable impediment declaration, uh, which is something that voters who cannot get identification, uh, like because of lack of transportation, disability, birth, lack of birth certificate, or so forth, then they can claim a, an impediment uh, to getting acquired ID in order to uh, be able to vote. But I want to focus here more on the provisional ballot. Uh, because the provisional ballot is something that could come into play if, as, as uh, County Clerk uh, Gwenda Jones had said, that if someone is concerned about their mail ballot, their absentee ballot being counted. So here's a scenario. Someone requests an absentee ballot. They fill it out. They send it back in by mail. Uh, they're concerned about it getting back in time. Uh, for election day. If it gets there before election day and it is processed by the elections board, then their name is going to be uh, removed from the roster because they have voted. Uh, so if they show up at a poll, the name's not going to be there, but that still doesn't mean that they can't go ahead and do a provisional ballot on election day. And so there's an option there for someone who is concerned, and this is fits in with all this debate and dialogue over the Postal Service and, and what's happening here. Can they get the mail delivered in time? Can they get, give priority, which they've said they will, to mail-in ballots uh, so that they are received by elections administrators? Uh, but, but here is that, that option here that if someone is concerned that, that, that their, their ballot that they mailed in. Now, typically a provisional ballot here would be uh, this would be a better process if the person, as, as they requested, received their absentee ballot, but they never send it in, and, they, and they're out of time to do so for it to arrive in time uh, for uh, election administrators to receive it and count it. And so you can take that ballot to uh, the uh, polling place on election day and submit it in order to be able to vote in person. Uh, so I think you know that's one area where this gets confused is somebody gets it, they forget, uh, maybe they put it aside and then they run out of time and they say, oh, well, I've got to go vote, but they've already requested an absentee ballot. Uh, so that raises concerns and questions, but they could take that ballot, turn it back in, and then go ahead and vote in person. Uh, so what, what's being referred to here as, as a provisional ballot would be that their name's not on the roll, maybe because they've already voted and their, their absentee ballot has been counted. And, and so there's a question here about have they voted already? And so they have to do a provisional ballot, which is then after the election reviewed by the elections board uh, so that they can verify to say, has this person uh, already voted? Uh, so in order for a couple other things to gu guidelines here is in order for a provisional ballot to be counted in Texas, Voters must go to their correct voting precinct. The voter is also required to visit the voter registrar's office within six calendar days of the date of the election to present one of the acceptable forms of photo identification. If after the election administrators determine that the voter who cast the provisional ballot was eligible to vote, the ballot will be counted as a regular ballot. Okay, so. So there is a process here. There's a, there are ways to accommodate not having the, uh, the correct type of ID. There are ways to accommodate uh, a mix up or concerns about eligibility uh, and registration uh, to accommodate, okay, my, I didn't get my ballot sent back in when I requested an absentee ballot, uh, as well as uh, this question that is, was raised, I think, and that's where our focus should be on the comments by President Trump, about if you're concerned about the mail and about your ballot being received and that your vote is being counted. So we're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to look at what the president said. Uh, and I'm going to actually give him the benefit of the doubt in this situation and say we need to turn this conversation into something that is more informed on our part regarding voting and voting options. We'll be right back. Politics can be confusing, but On Politics with Eric Morrow has your back. Follow the show on Facebook. Search On Politics with Eric Morrow to stay up to date with the show and all the sources to follow right along.
Welcome back to On Politics. I'm glad you're joining us today for this deep dive into voting. We started the show with an interview with the Erath County Clerk, Gwenda Jones, who gave us a good overview of what's happening in Erath County in preparation for the general election in November. And so I wanted to continue this focus on voting in Texas and, and, and concerns that have been raised, especially this past week after President Trump urged residents uh, in North Carolina, as he was there uh, during the week, to vote twice. At least that's the way that it's come across uh, in many news stories. All you have to do is uh, 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 search Trump uh, voting twice, and you'll get uh, plenty of news stories about this. And that, of course, made the headlines about, oh, my, is he asking people to vote early, vote often? Is he asking people to commit fraud? And I, when I immediately heard this, and especially with the focus on voting for this week's show, I wanted to cut through all of that uh, because I, I'm not sure that that was the intention. Of course, in politics and when you're a public figure like the president of the United States, uh, your opponents uh, and your enemies are going to take whatever you say, especially if they want to take it at, at face value without looking at the intent uh, and use it as an opportunity to be critical or to say, hey, wait a minute. And, and I think there is a, a need for that here, because as I'll, I'll speak about in the moment, uh, there is a challenge, a definite challenge that comes with this. But on the other side, I want to go back to what I just said in the second part of the show about provisional ballots uh, in that what the president said does have some truth to it. And so he was asked about this, uh, especially about the integrity of uh, voting by mail and voting by person. And Trump responded to that and said, let them send it in and let them go vote. Uh, and so he said this in an interview on, on Wednesday in Wilmington, North Carolina, and followed that with saying, and if the system is as good as they say it is, then obviously they won't be able to vote and speaking that the vote in person. Uh, now, what he's referring to here is the in questioning this, as he's done already about voting by mail and the integrity of the election and so on. And we've addressed some of those larger issues and the concerns we have about what that does to the integrity of the election and so forth. But if we focus in on these comments, uh, what we're looking at here is, is systems within the states uh, that allow people to vote by mail, which vary across the country. Here in Texas, we've already focused on the fact that we have absentee uh, voting and there's a process for doing that. But then if there are concerns about that, uh, how do you address those? And we talked about provisional ballots where someone can go in and though their name may not appear on the voter roster uh, because they, if they voted, their mail-in vote has already been received, uh, uh, or they go in and they've received an absentee ballot, but they didn't use it and they bring that ballot uh, or they maybe send it off at the last minute and it still will get in and get it reviewed. But they're concerned about it if that will be the case. And so they they go and vote. Um, so Texas has a process for that. And it, it's a little bit more involved. Uh, later that day, Trump asserted it again. Uh, at a rally on Thursday night, uh, he kind of repeated his call for voters to go to the polls, even if they've mailed in their val ballot. Uh, and, but and then he connected this and he suggested Democrats may try to steal the election by manipulating the mail-in vote. Now, that's going back to other things that he said about his opposition to voting by mail. But the first part of this, I don't I don't really think the intent, and, and again, I know people are getting a lot of mileage out of this. I don't know that the intent is that he's asking people to commit voter fraud. I think it goes in line with him in questioning the integrity of the vote in terms of these systems that allow for broader voting by mail, uh, where you do have some states where absentee voting or voting by mail is allowed and has fewer restrictions on it in terms of the threshold or the requirements that you need to meet uh, to be able uh, to vote uh, by mail rather than in person. And so I want to give him some, some credit there because he is saying, you know, states need to have those systems in place so that they're able to verify, oh, this person already voted by mail, that vote was counted, or no, they didn't. Uh, they, we didn't receive that, that ballot by mail. And so thus their vote on election day will count. I think 
the other side of that, though, that there is a challenge here. And this is where, you know, I don't think there's I, I don't see in, in what I've read that there's a broad based conspiracy here. And we hope that nothing is it develops in this in this way uh, or collaboration, I would say, where people try to uh, to to kind of flood the election system by the fact that, hey, I've mailed in my vote the integrity of the postal system and of this getting to election officials is so much in question that I better go on election day and be sure uh, that my vote is counted. And because if they, if they do that, if large numbers of people do that, the strain on election boards, and I think this is where state and local officials really reacted to this, is not so much about voter fraud and so forth, is that the, we have these, they say, we have these processes in place to check the legitimacy of vote, whether someone's voted by mail already or not, or if we haven't received it, to do a provisional ballot, and then we'll go back and check. But they have to go back and check. It, it takes time, it takes effort, and so on, after the election to review all of these provisional ballots and then to determine that someone has actually already voted. And so this is where states and local election officials would go, wait, wait, wait a minute. We, we don't need all of this extra work at a time when we need to be able to ensure the accuracy and the safety of this election uh, with people coming in and questioning a system that's in place and that has worked in the past. Although the question is, for this election, is the Postal Service being able to handle larger numbers of mail-in votes across the country uh, because of the coronavirus and because uh, people may choose those options depending on what level is available to them in their state. Uh, and if they do so, then that, that's fine and that's what we have to work through and it may delay the outcome depending on how close the election is. Uh, but on the other side of that, we don't need people just for the intent of creating dis. Array. Okay, so for me, that's disrespectful of voting and of the right to vote and of other people having access to vote. If people intentionally uh, go to uh, a, a polling place on Election Day, uh, having uh, submitted something by mail or requested an absentee ballot and then do a provisional ballot uh, in order to try to to jumble the system here and create uh, more challenges and chaos in a time when we definitely do not need it. Now, you look at the numbers of, of, of voting, of votes by mail, like in Texas, I think that would be very challenging because I think to have the number of people that meet the threshold to get an absentee ballot uh, uh, it would be would difficult, especially in rural areas throughout the states, maybe more likely in an urban area. Of course, states that have systems that allow more latitude in voting by mail this could definitely be a problem. Uh, so I think that's one thing that we have to, to consider here. And I think we need to focus on that and on that process much more than we need to about Trump advocating that people commit voter fraud or anything like that. Again, I don't, I don't think that's the motivation or the intention. Uh, I think it's in line with what he's questioned about voting by mail and the integrity of it and our states prepared to be able to handle this uh, and it's to counter that argument by others that want to broaden uh, voting by mail um, to make it more accessible, especially during uh, this pandemic, but then also raising the amount of resources, cost and oversight that needs to go into that to ensure the integrity of the election. So moving from that to one voting by mail initiative in Texas, we want to look just very quickly here to close the show at what is happening in Harris County, uh, because I think there's misinformation about that as well uh, when it comes to discussing voting by mail. If we go back to what we said about the, the, the laws that are in place and the process that the state of Texas has in place, uh, Harris County and the county elections administrator, Chris Hollins, county clerk there, uh, had uh, moved to send out um, ballot applications, so mail-in ballot applications, not ballots. Okay? He's not sending these out for people to vote by mail. He's sending these out in order to, uh, to, to make it a little easier for people to apply to vote by mail. So they still have to go through the process. It's still a, an absentee process under state laws. 
it's still a process that they have to meet certain conditions and the threshold to be able uh, to do this. And so there was the announcement that the county would send out, and I think the number was close to 300,000 uh, mail in ballot applications. So you have to fill out the application first, send it back in or take it in person in order to have a ballot sent to you. Well, the Supreme Court earlier this week temporarily blocked Harris County uh, from doing this. Uh, and they had in June, ahead of the primary, had sent out around 380,000 applications to voters over 65. Uh, this time it was planning, like I said, to send out, it was about 295,000 applications. The state has moved against this as well. This, the Supreme Court halted it, but part of that was the initiative of the Secretary of State and the Attorney General that are saying, no, this step is not necessary just to proactively send applications to voters. They need to request it. That's the system that's been in place, even though there, there doesn't appear to be uh, severe restrictions on that, uh, that. That is why the Harris County clerk was taking this action uh, to get these uh, ballots out. The question here, I think, that comes up, and this is, you can read more about this online, and, and we'll see it, watch it develop toward the, the election, is just the, the time and the resources uh, to process this. States already know that there's going to be more voting by mail, absentee ballots, whatever the conditions or guidelines are for those across the country. And in Texas, that is very critical. And I think this is where we have to be very careful here. I mean, it's one thing to facilitate that request. I think that's what Harris County is doing here. It's facilitating the request. It still has to come from the people to fill out the application and request their ballot. On the other side, they have to be prepared to ensure the integrity of that vote and be able to follow the process so that they can verify that the people who send those ballots in are uh, registered voters. Uh, once they receive the ballot, they send it back in, that they're registered voters and that they, those votes are counted appropriately. And that's, I think, where we are in Texas with the challenges of expanding voting by mail as, is being able to facilitate it with the technology and the resources and the time. And we just don't have that for this election, maybe in the near future. I want to thank you for joining us today on politics. I want you to follow us on Facebook. That's on politics with Eric Morrow, where we post information about the shows. And we also post engaging articles that connect with the topics that we're discussing. You can listen to us each week right here on KTRL 90.5 FM online at tarletonradio.com. And then listen after the show, a recording on SoundCloud or download us as a podcast so that you can stay up with the latest issues related to policy, politics, and government. Thank you for joining us today, and we will look forward to being with you again next week. Production from me, Taylor Welch, and me, Carissa Cole. Find more great shows by searching Tarleton Radio Network wherever you get your podcasts.